So to kick this off, my mom, which my mom and dad are sitting right over here, say hi to Ted and Beth They're over there. Um, I'm going to step over here because the cute, adorable little child in the middle, right there, oh, my head's there, right there, I just wanted to point that out. That's me, um, 1984, Christmas, uh, my brother John's on the right, and my older brother Ben is on the left, and uh, that's actually um, at, at NES, as you can see, Naval Air Station. Uh, my, my dad worked with the Navigators. And uh, we were decorating the Christmas tree. So I bring that up to show you how long I've been in ministry. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> it's been a really long time, uh, but I've loved every minute. No, uh, I wanted to bring that up uh, because it made me think back to Christmas. And when I was thinking of what to talk about uh, when Pastor Bobby asked me to, to speak tonight, I wanted to make sure that... I guess so many times we think of the gift, and, and, and I think as pastors I've heard so many sermons on gifts and the gift and, you know, how great that is. And that there's not a downplay uh, on the gift of Jesus Christ and celebrating his birth at Christmas at all. But I wanted to, to switch it a little. And with that, I wanted to say that we have, um, I guess, an opportunity. I want you to remember, Christmas can be good and bad. There can be good and bad memories associated with this time of year. But I'm going to ask you tonight to focus. I want you to focus on something really good. So I want you to go way back. And for me, my memory goes back not this far, because I don't even remember doing this. Uh, it just happened to be in a newspaper article my mom found. Um, but I want you to go back. And for me, I want you to go back to a Christmas memory right now. A good Christmas memory. Way back. Try to ignore and knock out all the other bad things. You know, it could have been last year. It could have been already this year. It doesn't matter. But go back, and with that, I'm going to share mine. And my Christmas memory is one that I'm not sure that my parents will actually remember. They'll remember the scene, but they probably don't know it's my favorite. And that is, every morning, I mean, my parents had a way of dragging out Christmas. Okay, so I mean, I didn't know they were up all night until 4 a.m. wrapping presents and doing these awesome things for me. But at this point in time, you know, to help Santa, by the way, um, but with that, they're sitting here, and, and we would get up, and they'd say, you can't wake me up before 8 o'clock in the morning. And uh, so what they had is, you know, stockings lined out. We could get out of bed. We could walk around. We just couldn't touch anything. And so <laughs> we're sitting here staring at the tree. We're excited. We're looking at the stockings. We're excited. And, and it's just an amazing time, you know, as a kid. You see all this, and I had such wonderful memories as a kid growing up. Um, but then my dad and, and my mom, my dad would normally continue to sleep, and my mom would get up so we could open stockings. And so we would get up, and we'd start opening stockings, and somewhere in there my dad would show up, and, and then it was time to make breakfast. Now, this was a full-out breakfast. I had, by the way, all the Young Life guys that I work with are back here, so Laura, Will, and Paul back here, guys, just behind everybody here. They're coming tonight. So we had breakfast for dinner last night just like we would on Christmas morning. We make bacon, we make eggs. Uh, either French toast, pancakes, whatever move, but we always had mom's sweet rolls. Mom made homemade candy cane shaped sweet rolls with homemade icing. It's amazing. She's right here. She'll take orders. She's awesome. No. Um, <laughs> absolutely love them. And, but I mean, this was a process. By the time you get around to making breakfast, my dad never drank coffee, but on Christmas morning he drank coffee and he said, we're not opening presents until I finish my cup of coffee. But he doesn't drink coffee. So I mean, this took a long time. 
So we're sitting here, and it's like 11 o'clock. You know, we've eaten breakfast, and we're still waiting for Dad to sip on coffee, to finish that cup of coffee so we could go in and finally open presents. I've already had friends knocking on the door showing me their presents, you know, and I can't even go outside and play with those. Um, So I guess all of that was to say that that actually was my favorite time, the waiting for my father to finish his coffee. (laughs) Because the anticipation of what was still there, it just, it, it really made it, I mean, as hard as a kid, but it was just this, long, extended period. I mean, it seemed painful, but my parents had a way of making it that much more joyful. Just waiting, the anticipation of waiting. I don't know if they did it for that reason or if they were just tired and didn't, but maybe they did. Um, But that time of my father sitting and we were all around the table having such a good time as a family. We never had an argument at that point in time that I can remember sitting around the table. I mean, I had three brothers. We fought all the time. My mom and dad can attest to that. Um, But we just had such a great time. I never had a bad memory on a Christmas morning for me. And what a blessing that was. Um, And and is to this day. So I wanted you to go back to Christmas. But I also am here to go back to another time in your life. And I'd like you to go back, not just to the time that you gave your life to Christ, but the time that you really committed to following. The time that you made a decision where, yes, I was saved, but something clicked, something different. It may have been when you gave your life to Christ. Maybe you were older and you remember it well. But for me, I was five, just like Zoe uh, when she was four. I mean, I remember it. I remember walking through it with my mom by her bedside, you know, to this day. But there was something else that happened. And for me, that was my senior year in high school. And I was at Youth Evangelism Conference. Yek is what we called it. Uh, and it was a blast. But at that conference, I'd been to conferences and, and a bunch of different things to be around Christians, but we were, I believe that one was at King's Dominion, actually. And, and a bunch of Christian bands came in, and we spent the weekend together. And at that point in time, I remember going forward to the stage because God said, you're going to be a pastor. And I, at that point in time, nothing could have stopped me, nothing could have been more real in my life than the presence of God talking to me, saying, you're going to do this. I didn't think of anything negative. I didn't think of any hardship or road. Or, and I'm not going to go into the rest of my testimony. All I could see was the joy of God before me and wanting to just follow. To follow Him and to commit. And I came back. My father helped me write my testimony. And I stood up in front of a congregation of about 300 And I gave my testimony and I said, Jesus has called me to be a pastor of his word. Just to confirm it. And what an amazing time. I'd never spoken in front of people. It may not have been eloquent, but from my point of view, it was amazing. It was the best testimony ever given. People cried. I mean, it was awesome. But, I mean, that's just the blinders. Because all I saw was God and that I was doing his work. And you couldn't tell me I was doing anything wrong. But it was an amazing time in my life, and what a gift, and I'll never forget it. And that's what I'd like you to go back to. That's what the whole point of tonight is to go back to. As we celebrate Christmas, as we celebrate the birth, and we remember the birth of Christ, and what that really turned into, which was the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, I want you to go back and remember that time, because in the hustle and bustle, this is a great time of year to focus, because you're thinking about presents right now, You're thinking about what you need to do when you get home. You're thinking about tomorrow. 
Because that's how my brain is. It's always running. We can't stop. We can't sit down. And so I'm going to ask you to. Because sometimes that helps. Sometimes that breaks you out of the circular thoughts and the thinking. And I'm just going to say, think. Think back to that time when God said, yeah, follow me. And nothing else mattered. Because that's what we want to relive tonight. And I want to prepare you for that because there's a purpose here tonight. Because you're going to all go out and be with family, friends. It doesn't matter who you are. Because if you don't have a place to go, let me know. I've got a house. Come on and hang out for Christmas. But if not, you're going to be there. You're going to be with people that don't know Jesus. And the one thing, no matter what, that is going to let them see Jesus in you is the joy. Not the stress of the season, but the joy of who He is in you. And I believe the best way to remember that is to go back and remember when. So if you could hit the next side, Leander. Um, Romans 6, 14-23. I'm actually just going to read it real quick and we'll, we'll go through my breakdown here to give you some context. In verse 14 it says, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? Certainly not. Do not know that to whom you present yourself slaves to obey, you are that one slave whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end, everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift or free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Clearly, my, my focal point and, and what drew me into this and, and a, an amazing read um, of just understanding this. Uh, Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ, is normally used as an outreach verse to help people understand. But my point here is that there's actually two sides. There's two sides of this verse, and that's what we want to get into. So to break it down, we're going to run here in order just to give some context. Romans 6.14-23 to um, Clearly, just a quick summary. We are not under law, but grace. That's what happened when Christ came. We know that. And we are not saved by the law, but we are saved by grace. We, we, we get that. So, I love this. Saved by grace, not an excuse, but a reason to obey. So that comes down to what I loved was 1 Corinthians 15.56. The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. The strength of sin is the law. And how many times, just a side note, that we beat ourselves up, and I'm sitting right here saying it because I do it every day, 
of the things that we do, and we give sin strength through the law of beating ourselves up. So I'll convey that and say, let's wipe that clean because we are saved by grace and not by law. So let's change our minds right now. Let's focus on this season. Let's step into this season changing our minds and focusing on grace. Asking for forgiveness and moving forward. Next slide, please. You'll see real quick as he switches. I did title that section Favor because that's something that we've been found with favor in God's eyes. So freedom. Whatever you yield to will become your master. And then freedom from lawlessness. And I focus here on lawlessness. And I'll go back into this time. And when the Greeks were writing this, at the, well, Paul, being a Greek, lawlessness in this time was best described as, I guess, this time frame. And in this time frame, sorry, but women were not well, they didn't have much stature. And so when a, when a baby girl was born, uh, she was normally left actually out in the streets to die. They didn't take care of her. People would walk by. Well, people saw this. And so certain Greeks would pick up these baby girls and they would take them and put them in what we would call brothels or a house of prostitutes. And they would raise them up to be prostitutes. And so the idea of lawlessness was the fact that you were so far gone that a man could actually end up sleeping with his own daughter. That was the idea when Paul chose this word of lawlessness. Freedom from that. That's what we're looking at. So not, I shot somebody or did something. I mean, just look at it. When, when we write that word, when we go back, that's what we're looking at. That's what we want to step away from. That's the freedom that we have received. And it doesn't matter how bad you've sinned or if you think you've never sinned. We can talk about that some other time. Um, or if you just said, oh, I've committed one sin. In the eyes of God, it, it doesn't matter. But that's what we have freedom from. And then the unsaved is free from righteousness. I'll read it again, Romans 6.20. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. Interesting. Righteousness to a Greek was giving God and man their dues. That's how they summed it up. In the same time, Paul explains it as to be a Christian is to obey God and to, to never use a human being to gratify his desire for pleasure. Or lust. Be the message translation. That's why that doesn't make sense. But the idea here, and I love it. Dad, I think it, I think it came from you, so I, I smaller church, I can explain it. But um, <laughs> the idea here is it's right standing before God. Putting God in his proper place. Righteousness is God, and then filtering down. Everything filters down through a right standing before God. Okay? So that's probably the best way I can put that. So the unsaved is free from righteousness. They are free from a right standing before God. They're free from it. They don't have to worry about it. The interesting thing here is that the bondage of the sin, the bondage to sin, leads him deeper into slavery. So this takes me to the prodigal son. And many people have heard the prodigal son 
But a quick summary of the prodigal son is that he said, hey, father, I have a great inheritance coming. I know you're not dead. Hey, I'd like it now. And his father said, sure, you can have it. And he went off and he spent it on lawlessness. So let's think about that. But he spent it on lawlessness. And then the economy had a downturn. He had nothing left. He ended up finding a job, being able to sleep with pigs, in essence, and, and he wanted to eat their food. Dan, what do pigs eat? Do you know? You live on a farm. I figured you'd know. No? Exactly. <laughs> it's horrible, but that's what he wanted. And he had an idea to himself. And he said, hey, my father's slaves are treated better than I'm being treated right now. I'm going to go home. And we know what happened. As far as his father could see, he could see his son coming, and he ran for his son. And he embraced his son. And he put the best robe, and he slaughtered the fatted calf, the best he had. The son found true freedom when he returned home, and he yielded to his father. Now we take that and we say, yeah, I know that. That's why I accepted Jesus. That's why I live every day to be with Jesus. And I'm going to say, take one step further and flip-flop. Go back to B.C., as Kim and I say. Before Christ. Go back and think of those that you know right now. When I had you think of that story, the family you're going to be around, the people that don't know Jesus. They don't have any right filter to put God first. Lawlessness reigns. Sin begets sin, and sin, and then more sin, and it leads to more sin. That's why we get so excited with an opportunity to be around family. And I think so many times I get caught up in the middle of it, and you say, I have this event, or I have this event, and we're just trying to get through the events, maybe to the event that we really want to get to. I don't know, but that's kind of how it ends up being looked at, at least for me. And I forget that at that point in time, my brother was standing right next to me who doesn't walk with the Lord anymore. Did I spend any time to pray with him? Did I spend any time beforehand praying for this interaction of just being able to be around him? No. And that's me. Your story may be different. Maybe you do, and I hope you do. But I'll encourage you to do just that. Because we don't want to leave them here. We want them to experience the freedom that I'm talking about right now, that Paul is talking about. Freedom from sin begetting sin begetting more sin. William Barclay said this, the Christian life is a life which gives God his proper place and which respects the rights of human personality. Proper place and respecting rights. I think one of those big struggles and the reason that I chose that very quote of, of the rights of human personality. Because so many times when somebody doesn't think the way that I think, we automatically we think we're going to hit heads. But Jesus overcomes that when God is in his right place. And if we begin to think that way, if we step into every event that we have this Christmas season and pass this, I hope you see that this goes beyond <laughs> the Christmas time. It doesn't end. Oh, okay, we're all done. That's not how it works. But we tend to forget that, and um, so I'll add it in just for that sake, that we can. We can have these interactions. God can overcome any hate or frustration or argument that you've had with a family member that has you separated right now.
he can overcome that bridge and bridge that gap. Next slide, please. The fruit, verses 21 to 23. It's actually very repetitive. 21 and 22 are summed up in 23. So this isn't that hard. But it did allow for a great depth into the Greek, which I know everybody loves, just like me. So the fruit of sin is death. The fruit of God is eternal life. Pretty simple. But what I loved about this is when we actually say, for the wages of sin is death, wage, is the word apsania in Greek. And it means wages or pay earned and owed to a soldier for services rendered or done. This is a militaristic word, very specifically, very military. Does anybody know how the Roman soldiers and the Greek soldiers in this time frame got paid? By what? Anybody? Come on, Will. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> so they were given at points in time. Sometimes they could be given goods or trades, but very little were they ever given money. It was the money that they actually got from the people that they took and they sold into slavery or the goods that they stole from the homes that they went into. That's how they got their money. That's how they got their salary. But it was considered theirs. It was law across the land that that was their money. That was their pay. It was totally legal. So what happens is that was their sweat. The point is, is that was their work, their efforts, their life. That's what they got. They got to keep it. That's how they got paid. So what is that? The wages of sin is death. The work of our brow, the work of our sweat, the work of who we are without Jesus is death. It's the law. It's what we'd be given is death. Now, what's the difference? And why, why do you think in the sense of a, and that's more rhetorical. I won't call on anybody anymore, I promise. It's the problem of, sorry, of being in young life. I have about the same size crowd, and I can actually call on people and, and say, come back and answer me. So <laughs> it's a lot of fun, but now I'm calling on people, and they're like, what are you doing? <laughs> um, so anyways, what we have here is um, a lot of us have been in the military, and thank you, Randy, for that um, introduction to the military, and, and I still support Army, Dan. You know, it's okay. We, don't, we still love you. Um, <laughs> but Hayes Gray and underway, baby. Um, <laughs> So what we have here is, is in the military, you may not know, but we have the Uniform Code of Military Justice. We have a whole separate law. They can actually give us bread and water if they want when you're active duty. Now, obviously, that's not legal in a civilian jail. So there's a whole different set of rules. There's a whole different law. And here, Paul has chosen a very specific militaristic rule because it is set in stone. And that's how it is for the Uniform Code of Military Justice. There isn't really any gray uh, maybe you saw more of it as an officer, Will, but I didn't as an enlisted guy. If a guy broke the rules, he got in trouble. And most of the time, they were kicked out of the program for the rules that they broke. It was very black and white. And that's what this is. It is black and white. And I hope I'm not beating that like a dead horse because for me, that helped me understand it better. It is black and white that what I deserve is death. Now, let's take it back. That person that you'll be with this Christmas, what they deserve when they don't know Jesus is death. And you love them. And you care for them. And there's a reason that you do. Because Jesus put you there to be with them. And to love them where they're at. Okay. 2 Timothy 3.7 Just to help you take this a little bit more. 
when sometimes, I guess, my, my brother is very logical. Uh, John was the one on the right. He's my older brother, but not my oldest brother. I'm number three. John is, um, he has a, a master's degree. He has an MD from EVMS, and um, I love him to death. He's working on his second master's, and then he's starting a PhD program. Um, he's been in school since 1998. He is a genius um, for all intents and purposes, and he's on a breakthrough program um, in genetics and artificial intelligence, kind of a combination of all of it. So he's got a medical degree, and now he's an engineer as well. And so you combine these two, and, and we get into debates. You can only imagine, especially when we were younger, we were about the same size, and then I just passed him, and to this day I'm two inches taller. And I never let it down because I still love him very much. Um, but with that, this always comes to mind when I say, man, I think John's got it all together. Maybe, 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 you know, when, when I was younger, I was like, maybe I am not getting this. When I was in the Navy and I was struggling, I was like, maybe, maybe I did choose the wrong path. But then I, I remember coming across this, and that's why I say it. 2 Timothy 3.7, an unbeliever is ever learning, but never coming to the knowledge of truth. So as much as we may feel that we're distracted, or the people that we're around, we think that maybe they've got a better view Maybe I can't confront them. Maybe they're going to catch me in a trap. Maybe I don't know apologetics, defending against the faith, as well as I should, to be able to say something to whoever this is. And I'm going to stand here and say that's not the case. Because you have God who is truth. And he will help guide you through that. So that was a weak spot for me, and I wanted to share that with you in hopes that it's encouragement. Moving on to the next word, gift. Charisma. Totally free, unearned gift, sometimes received by the army. This was normally the emperor at the time. Maybe when he just came to the throne, nobody knew. But what's interesting here is instead of being a very specific word for the wages and services done, and the first word wage, that you did by the sweat of your brow, you were given your wage. Remember, you had to go get that money, you had to go steal, you had to grab those individuals to sell. Here, you have charisma, which is received by the entire army. The emperor didn't just give it out to you or you or you. The, he came out and he said, here, the whole army. I'm, I'm the new emperor. Here, have some money. And it's exactly what he did. And then so it was just spontaneous. You didn't know it was coming, but it was totally free and totally unearned. So here again, we have something going out in a military viewpoint where it benefited everybody at the same time. And I love that that is the word for gift. Because obviously what we have received and what sometimes we're scared to share with others is this free gift to God. But it's totally free and obviously we never earned it. To kind of just help put this together as well, um, by the way, there, there was a side note here. When my mother was growing up, she used to share with me when, when she was younger, that there was this whole series of things that they would ask kids, you know, who was the richest man? Um, Mom, who was the richest man ever? King? Yeah, you don't remember anymore? Anyways, okay. It's okay. I said I wouldn't call anymore. Anyways, who was the strongest man ever? Samson, thank you. Okay. See, I put her on the spot too. But um, Samson. And there used to be this whole phrase that what my mom used to tell me was that they um, would come through, and, and everybody knew that. 
You know, everybody knew that Samson was the strongest man alive. What was Samson's weakness? Women. Women. I, <laughs> this was amazing because Samson was called by God to deliver righteousness for 20 years. And Samson had a weak spot. Samson, at this point in time, the, the Israelites, they were overpowered and, and Philistines were, were running the show right now. And at this point in time, Samson said, I know I'm called. I mean, the angel of the Lord came to Samson's parents and said, you're going to have a son, but never let a razor come to his head. And then they came again because his father didn't believe and said, I've got to meet this guy myself. You know, so it comes through here. So this was a very ordained by God process because it was the angel of the Lord. And you have a man growing up and he's inflicting 20 years of righteousness upon the Philistines. And he has a weakness for women. Philistine women at that, which was even worse at that point in time. And what did his sin continue to get him? It's more and more sin. More and more lust until it cost him his eyes because he shared his heart with one of those girls and uh, she wanted money and she got her money. Now at the end, he prayed one last time for God to allow him to kill 3,000 of the most prominent Philistines and bring down those walls right on himself while killing them. But the point was is that even a man of God being used by God has to be aware of the sin that begets sin that begets sin. And so we want to be aware. We are Christians, but we want to be aware of these sins within our lives. I've shared this story from here before, but a, a sixth grade girl that I prayed with on my D.C. missions trip uh, to the inner city and prayed with her out front of her public school, and I'd known her three minutes to accept Jesus. And she cried. And um, yeah. I say that because it's, um, it's an amazing reminder of all the things that I, I love that analogy with the computer of everything we plug into our lives. Work and, and food. All of these things that we get in the way of, of Jesus. I am right there, and I'll share openly that the first thing that happens when my life gets busy is my quality of time with God, my time in prayer, my time in the Word, and I settle for a quick verse that pops up automatically on my phone. I settle for, for time in prayer in the car uh, while I'm singing praise music, and then all of a sudden I realize I'm singing cuss words at the guy next to me to the same tune that I was just praising. I know, it really is. It makes me laugh, and I'm just like, really, God? Um, but I say that, that seriously, that that time is not enough. It's not enough to sustain. Um, and so this was actually supposed to be an encouragement. When that red plate rose, when Jesus rose from the dead, and all the plugs started coming out, the black water turned clear, because why? We're washed white as snow. I really feel, and, and I've felt this whole time, um, that God has just, uh, you're, going into, you're going into a battlefield. 
you're going into, even if it's your own home, brothers and sisters, aunts and uncles and parents, extended family and friends, and you're going to a place where you need help. And we would like to pray with you. Even if it's, I've got my family coming over and they're great and they all love Jesus, we would like to pray over you. I'm going to pray over everybody now and just encourage you. (laughs) That we're saved by grace. That we're free from lawlessness. And just to accept and own it. Own the favor, own the freedom, and own the fruit of what it means to be a follower and lover of Jesus Christ. Accept this gift on Christmas and own it and run with it. And I pray for that day that that you continue to pray with somebody. Somebody you've been praying for, I guess is what's really been laid in my heart. Somebody that you've been praying for for a long time. Accepts Jesus. If we could just pray. Oh, Father. You love us all so dearly that in the midst of lawlessness that you have foreseen from the beginning of creation, you sent your Son. And we remember that this Christmas season. We remember you sending a miraculous miracle of life. And God, we thank you as a body of believers. We thank you, Jesus. And Father, we know we know that we fall short. But we know that you love us. And Lord, I pray now over the entire congregation that you would encourage and lift any broken hearts, any broken spirits, that you would give those that have a clear focus of you and righteousness with a focus of you as the center of their life. Desire and strength. Holy Spirit, fill us up with love for you, for the lost. Give us strength to seek you every day. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your son. Thank you for his death. And thank you for the resurrection and filling us with your Holy Spirit. Send us forth into our own battlefields to do your work do your will. Thank you, Father. It is in your Son's precious name, Jesus Christ, that we pray. Amen.